The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff or management of visionary-related entertainment. This is Josh Porter here. And Jason Verkhart. We are at the Solar Coaster. Episode number 48, Biodiesel with Kelly King. Fantastic. Uh, this is going to be a really quick conversation because we've never talked about biodiesel yeah yeah really biodiesel isn't something that somehow kind of uh well you know we're just rounding out our our year our first year on the air jay sure and we're on episode 48 so we just got about four more left and then boom we're on 52 and it's the year anniversary what are we gonna do take a vacation uh well you were just talking about puerto rico right (laughs) yeah right um, (laughs) install some solar (laughs) so uh yeah we got a great show for you today folks uh that we are going to be talking about biodiesel very excited about that uh we got a couple of great guests in the in the studio we got uh a brand new solar salesman for Maui Solar Project uh, doing his thing, Mr. Lauren Zahn. Did I pronounce that correctly, Lauren? Yes, almost. Welcome to the uh, Solar Coaster. Thanks so much for joining us on air, Lauren. Uh, Lauren's a Swiss fellow that is living here in Maui for how many years? Uh, since 2012. 2012, living off-grid at one point in Twin Falls, which is great for the solar industry because you can talk with credibility because you're like, hey, I've done You've it done before. It, yeah. The whole, you know, and at the end of the, the end of the, the line too, right? You know, I've, I've gone completely off-grid, so very cool. Uh, and then we've got a, a guy that's the radio's old hat for this fellow over here, Mr. Solar Anthony. How you doing, buddy? Aloha, Maui. How we doing? <laughs> good to have you back, uh, Anthony. You were just in Big Island recently, right? Yes, I was over there for a little bit. Fun, good times. Yeah, a lot going on in Big Island these days. Okay, so uh, let's get right into our housekeeping. We'll jump into our news and events, and we'll just take it from there, and then we'll hear all about biodiesel shortly, huh? Let's do it. All right, so hey, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We are uh, here in lovely uh, Maui County. You can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. and KOI 1110 a.m. We also are on some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Country. It is a call-in show. 242-7800 is the call-in line. And we've got a great website. Jay, you want to tell us about that? Sure. Go to www.solar-coaster.com. That's solar-coaster.com. Uh, you can listen live if you click the link there. Uh, you can actually click on our YouTube link as well. You can see what we look like. Uh, we're out there. Um, click on the podcast. You can get all our old shows. You just said this is this is 48. There are a lot of old shows we've covered almost everything. This will be our first bio, biodiesel show, but we've talked about everything, and they're all up there. So if you have a specific interest area of interest go through the old podcast chances are we talked about it yeah that is pretty cool right it's kind of like that puzzle that uh, you know we're going to talk about in yeah, shortly the, ener- the yeah. energy puzzle and then go down the bottom if you can't call in during show hours scroll down the bottom there's a little form there you can fill out your name and your question for us we'll get you on air even if you can't call in during show hours absolutely sounds good sounds good now the coaster is making some some progress and thanks to a bunch of sponsors that keep us on the air i'm just going to read them off uh, briefly here maui solar project tabuchi electric america sonam battery Pika Energy and Sundrum Solar. These are the guys that have really kind of stepped up and allowed the solar coaster to kind of figure itself out over the last year and put together this great program. Yeah, thank you, sponsors, for keeping us on the air. And for a couple of these uh, these sponsors, we do have some announcements. Maui Solar Project has its new Queen Kawamano Center uh, kiosk. We're about a month in so far. Yep. We're getting all this new branding and stuff. Anything you want to share there, uh, Anthony? You've been out there quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's been 
a lot of welcome, warm vibes, a lot of talk about solar, a lot of talk about community. Things are going really well. Um, if you're ever there Monday, uh, Wednesday, or Friday, stop by. I'm usually there in the afternoon. So Cool, man. It's really a fun thing. You know, I've always kind of you know dreamed about the idea of getting out in that environment and being able to talk to people face-to-face about solar. Really enjoyed the, kind of getting to know how that, that's going to work out. Um, we also have podcasts, right, Jay? Um, yep. We're out on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and we're on TuneIn. So if you're a podcast person, do check us out there. Um, you know, before we jump into our news and events, I just I, I do kind of want to spill the beans a little bit about what's going on with us and some of the things of the show. So we are. Can, <laughs> you, well, how much do you want to share? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So there's uh, there is some word of syndicating the program, which we're really excited about. We're talking yeah. about that with some fellows. So we're going to try to get the coaster out in, across the nation. We don't want to you know jinx ourselves. We'll knock on some fiberboard here, but I do think that uh, it, 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 it's an exciting conversation we've been having over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We, we, our main goal is education, and everybody can benefit from this. In fact, by being out on Maui in the state of Hawaii, uh, we are very much ahead of the curve. And so what we are learning here and what we have learned here can really help benefit everybody. And that's what I want to push. Absolutely. Really exciting stuff. And to that end, there is some conversation going on. I think it's pretty solid at this stage of the game with SPI. Can we talk about that, Jay, or am I jinxing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Uh, the Solar <laughs> will be appearing live in Anaheim, California at SPI International, SP International, yeah. Solar Power International, a uh, the largest trade show uh, in solar energy. Um, when is that? September September 27, yeah, in Anaheim, and uh, we're going to do a, a radio broadcast right from the center stage in a 20,000 person attended solar. The 20,000 20, <laughs> smartest people in yeah. energy, and we get to be in front of them. It's going to be fantastic. Well, it's okay. We just get to play ourselves, act really dumb, and then yeah. ask a bunch of questions. Well, that's my job. You yeah. don't have an excuse. Well, yeah, no, it's getting harder and harder <laughs> for me. All right, so that's what's going on with the coaster. Hey, uh, let's jump right into our news and events, folks, and uh, we'll see what's going on in the world. Huh? It is the news. Okay, coming out of Green Tech Media, how peer-to-peer energy trading on the blockchain might work. Oh, boy, this is really blockchain. funny. We started talking about blockchain stuff uh, a couple weeks ago. We had uh, Mr. Jason Fellerman on yeah. board, who really understands a whole lot about Bitcoin and the blockchain in general. Blockchain is a technology on the internet that basically puts up a self-correcting ledger for transactions and there is no central authority everybody checks with everybody else to make sure that these are legitimate transactions and it's very very difficult to hack very very difficult to break for virtually impossible at this point until someone does it of course mm-hmm. but uh, but it looks like it's going to be a real player in how both currency and energy function yeah. going forward um, so this whole article is about how um, you would be able to potentially harvest energy if you have a solar system or solar installation of some kind or any any kind it doesn't need to be solar wind uh whatever hydrogeothermal doesn't matter if you harvest energy you produce energy in some form Mm. you would be able to get a credit in this whatever currency we we like the solar coin model because that's that's already out there Um, but it could be whatever any kind of cryptocurrency thing and then you can offer your energy up on the open market for a rate. Uh, I know they're actually doing this in Germany already. There's mm-hmm. a Sonnen battery runs something called the V virtual power plant, the VPP, uh, where you can, you don't even need to have solar. You buy one of their battery systems, subscribe to the program, and you can kind of put in a an energy rate. Unfortunately, right now, it's not actually legal to do this type mm-hmm. of stuff in the United States, but it's a policy issue, not a technical issue. Mm-hmm. And so it could actually be a, a serious way forward. What a remarkable idea, right? The notion of being able to create your own energy, 
uh, store it or bank it, and then someone else can buy it from you in cryptocurrency somewhere else <laughs> down the road. I mean, wh where, what kind of, how do we get to this future? Yes, we are living in the future. Right? Yeah. It's really just <laughs> remarkable. But it's right around the corner. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about this is that these that there are models in the United States already, not in not in Hawaii, um, somewhere in the Midwest. I don't remember. Do you remember exactly where it was? Um, oh yeah, I someone remember had reading about it something. months ago. It was ago. more of like it's a, a pilot program, yeah. but it is functional. And so, like I said, it can can actually technically be done. And then your current your 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 energy that you produce is out there on the on the open market. You set your rates. You want to buy at this rate. You want to sell it. Maybe it'll settle out for for a much more realistic price of energy. Hmm. And this is this is related to the conversation of wheeling we had with Mary Arakawa. Correct. And that right now we can't in the absence of wheeling that legislation. Yeah. That, even that if you own two wheel. TMKs that are right next to each other, if you run an extension cord, you're technically illegal. Yep. Yeah. So there's some. <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. So some policy work ahead of us, right? Yeah. So very cool stuff there. Green Tech Media go-to source for us. Uh, let's take a look at the next one here with Google. Looks like Google's making a, a heck of a move. Uh, they've actually, they're actually going for 100% renewable energy, right? Google has been doing this a lot where they are, all, all the major um, data center companies, so you have Microsoft, SoftBank, uh, and a few others that are doing, doing huge installs and trying to get some kind of uh, renewable source of energy to offset their massive energy bills. I mean, you got to understand, these are giant, giant mm. warehouses. Nobody thinks about it. You have your phone, um, you send a picture to somebody, it goes up into the email, they have Gmail. Well, that doesn't actually exist. It used to be. You, everybody would have their own little server, right? Mm. You had you had your own little server. I had my own Um But you would have your own little server sitting in a closet somewhere or at your office. It would be managed by an IT guy. And that was where your email lived. Now everything is up. They call it the cloud. It's just the internet. And the cloud is a marketing term. But they're out in these huge warehouses, and they're just full of servers, rack upon rack upon rack. And not only the servers need power, but they generate a huge amount of heat. Mm -hmm. And so they need to be temperature controlled and, and monitored at all times. And so there's these giant warehouses that are sucking a huge amount of power for both the computers and just the temp just the climate control stuff. So their electric bill is, is un. Believable. Yeah. <laughs> you, you Are they generating heat because they're they're uh, they're AC? It's the, just a by it's just a, a byproduct. I mean, touch your laptop. Yeah. How hot is that right but now? But that's why, right? It's, because it's, you're it's gonna... because it's because it's processing right. stuff. You're actually doing something with it. Um, so it's using those electrons. Um, the everything going through at high speed in a very thin wire. They call them nanometer processes for these these CPUs. Okay. They're down to like 14 nanometer. But forcing electrons through those thin wires generates heat. So it gets hot. Yeah, so it gets hot. You need to do something. And, and so they, they, now they want to use renewable energy to offset. And a their, massive right. electric bill. <laughs> so they said that today, this is 4418, right? So mm -hmm. just uh, yesterday. Today, the company says it achieved that goal that was set in 2017 to hit a 100% uh, renewable energy. So Google has been re working on reducing the carbon footprint uh, and purchasing more renewable energy for some time. So that is a heck of a rate, right? To go to set it in 2017 and then boom, by 2018, they've achieved it. Now, how, what do they do here? Did they actually, um, they're it, buying it, assets it, around different areas and it, stuff? It like? actually looks like a PPA to me. Mm -hmm. they, they're, they signed a contract to purchase three gigawatts of output from solar and wind. And all, this is all around the world. I mean, it's not just one installation that we're talking about. They're all over the place. Mm. So, so this is paperwork. So it's paperwork that they okay. did. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Well, good job. But, Micro but Microsoft's done the same thing. If, if you remember a couple months back, Microsoft also did the same thing. They 
wrote out plans. I actually don't think it's online yet, but they uh, bought a massive uh, tract of land out in the middle of nowhere in China to wow. run the data centers mm. in that area of the world. And so this is this type of stuff is going on. It is their their major cost is that. I mean, they have one little IT guy that runs around in the stacks and makes sure everything's running. But generally speaking, they kind of take care of themselves. But the electric bill is just something you don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, you would never want to receive one of these bills. Big low-hanging fruit right here. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, okay, yeah. well, good on Google for, for making that step. That's pretty amazing. Yep. What's going on with, uh, we had this article from the Wall Street Journal. We don't get a lot of energy conversations in WSJ, so what's going on here? This, this is kind of interesting. Home solar dims as Tesla and others. Uh, curb aggressive sales. I think this is, this is referencing before how um, Tesla bought um, solar, solar, city. Well, solar City. Solar City. Solar City, and then stopped Solar City's advertising because Tesla's whole model is that you come into the showroom and you look at the cars and you look at the roof and you look at the power wall and then you buy stuff because it's all pretty. Um, so they didn't they weren't boots on the ground type sales anymore and of course the sales flagged because of that. Um, but others curb, curbing aggressive sales. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they actually mean by that. Did you really well, understand? Yeah, I mean, if you like Solar City used to operate on a kind of a, a, a model like the rest of the industry, right? It was door knocking, right? Yep. They were out there just, you know, and, and the thing is that model has a very high um, uh, cost associated with it. It's called cost to client acquisition. Mm -hmm. And that cost to client acquisition in, in something like the solar industry tends to be a very expensive uh, piece of the business, right? So uh, what they've been, what Tesla was trying to do when they acquired Solar City, City, I, I assume, was to go through a different model, squeeze down those costs, and make solar more affordable, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but they're making a big assumption here. The assumption is that people are going to come into this fancy store, they're going to get this, you know, this, you know, cornerstone property, wherever it is, whether it's in on Honolulu or in Tokyo or in Beijing or New York, and people are going to walk in and they're going to buy not only their car, but their solar roof and their solar and their Tesla battery bank and everything in one kind of fell swoop. And and, right. and I could see how that could be. A, a reasonable assumption, but I mean, really, is that uh, is that how people are going to buy solar? It hasn't been the way it's worked in the past. And this transition year tells us that they're we're actually down in solar sales, and that and they they pinned it on so the solar city well, acquisition pinned it on the solar city acquisition. But there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. We have the tariff conversation. People that are not just just not buying because they think it's going to be too expensive. Um, the battery technology is still relatively new in everybody's mind. And not in our program, mind. Well, it's of not course, new in our of, mind. of course not. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. And, and then um, utility programs are changing, and nobody quite knows what that looks like. And so it's a little bit of a strange time in the solar there's, industry there's out there across the country. Strange, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good options for folks these days. And if you, you have an interest, um, I would recommend going out and, and reading about the CSS program right now. Oh, for uh, here in, for, in Maui. For here, for yeah, here in Maui. Yeah. Yeah. For folks that we're talking about, I don't know what it looks like across the, the rest of the nation. I now. think nationally, we're going to see a major pendulum swing. Like, I, I think we were down a little bit nationally this last year in 2017. Mm -hmm. But because of everything that I'm hearing across the country, major pickups in whole new regions like the southeast. The southeast that we were talking uh, about last you know, week, exactly. I feel like we're going to see just a major ramp in solar mm -hmm. in 2018, and I'm really excited about it. And regardless of any, any of these conversations about tariffs, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and, and one final thing I want to say about this is that although they say it's down, um, there was this nice graph way at the bottom that shows that, yes, it's down 
from 2017 was down from 2016, but it's still above 2015. Mm. Right. So still trending up. Yeah, still trending gotcha. up generally. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, absolutely not. And those are just domestic numbers too, right? Yeah. It does not representing what's happening in the world. I, I doubt that would be the case for the world. Okay, let's jump over to uh, our local news and events. Um, this one's great, and it falls right in line with our, with today's special guest. Um, Hawaii entrepreneur wants to grow 31 square miles of hibiscus for biofuels. Now, what it says, Hawaii entrepreneur, I actually believe they're coming out of China. <laughs> as far as I know, but um, Lamplighter Energy is a company famous for buying 85 square miles of Molokai Ranch. Um, they want to grow 31 square miles of hibiscus for biofuel, specifically. Right, and not hibiscus and, like the flower, right? There's something else here, right? It's kind of like a yeah, it's an oil, oil generating. Yeah. It, it, it's not, it's not as pretty as all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they want to be able to um, allow small farmers to produce food on the land as well. Uh, the company would provide eight square miles for traditional farming. Hmm. Um, and then local activists have actually asked the company to give them six months. So it's kind of in a hold state right now right. Um, because they want to come up with options for that eight square eight square miles and see what they want to do with eight it. Eight square miles, that's a pretty it's, good it's chunk a of good land. Ch- it's a good chunk of land. And then they would support the biofuel proposal. So that's, that's really interesting. But it's a right. huge amount of, of land to grow flowers on (laughs) right right yeah i mean well it's uh they're talking about sending pellets back to uh what is it korea 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 that was that was was the interesting bit um i'm not 100 percent sure what those pellets are when we get our guest in here we're gonna i'm gonna actually ask that uh what i understand is actually a a flammable um solid material that you would get after processing but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, what I find interesting about you know uh, Molokai and uh, about this ranch is that it is uh, I think fifty five thousand acres. So I guess that equates roughly to eighty five square miles. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is uh, the 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 organization that purchases that will be the fourth largest landowner in the state of Hawaii. Wow. And so to have a, a foreign entity, Lamplighter Energy, is that what it says? Lamplighter Energy, yeah. Uh, a foreign entity owning it, you know, that's a bit sensitive. And then, of course, Molokai itself is a sensitive environment. I mean, it's a small, you know, a small hometown mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And it's it's in Maui County. And we're making, you know, big strides out there right now with renewable energies. Uh, wonderful place. For, for better or worse. It's, it's yeah. been an up and down road ride for them. Mm, yeah. And then so this is, uh, it's interesting to see that there is, I think it was listed for, and I don't have it in front of me, but I remember reading it when it came out, but it was in the... $250 million territory mm-hmm. for those 55,000 acres. So yeah. uh, The big positives are that they would be generating fuel there mm-hmm. uh, because at that scale they would need a, a local refinery, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, how many jobs? So I guess there's jobs that, associated right. with it. And, and technical jobs, not just jobs, but real real jobs. It's not just farming. Mm-hmm. Right, like in the refinery, High chemist- for chemistry, um, even um, accounting and stuff like that would all be uh, necessary maintain that business absolutely well very cool stuff so uh that's pretty much wrapping up our news and events here shall we uh cut over to our commercials what just wait a second i want to talk about future focus because we never get around to it oh we're, we're changing the location we're putting <laughs> okay. I, I, for, for weeks i've been sitting on this one okay so from architects newspaper uh, this future of smart power could lie in single solar storage communications platforms there's this is a really weird it looks like a mushroom yeah. and it is built um, to hold it is solar on the top has built uh, to hold lighting, 4G or Wi-Fi networking, uh, batteries, and EV charging at the base. So it's this entire self-contained unit that you can just plonk down in any location. And 
be able to charge your car. It'll provide lighting, and like you put these in a parking lot. You know, just a whole bunch of them, rows of them. So they almost look yeah. like huge flowers or trees. They right? look like trees. They absolutely look like trees. I'm sure they could be made to look more like trees if you wanted to. Um, but I w if anybody's interested in actually seeing this thing, uh, check out the Architects newspaper, um, archpaper.com, uh, for the for the solar tree. <laughs> it's a really cool product. Totem power. Totem power. That's what it's called. Okay, yeah, and it looks like they're, uh, I mean, pretty amazing stuff here. They definitely uh, are, are, are kind of taking some artistic liberties with this. It looks a little bit like, what's the name of that show uh, with uh, Harrison Ford, the one uh, Blade Runner? It's kind of got like a Blade it's Runner a show vibe that's to a movie, it. but yeah, yeah okay. show, movie, whatever, <laughs> you know. So, uh, no, it absolutely does. It's something that the, the lighting is all really LED, iridescent looking, and I'm sure that the photo is very artistic rendering kind of deal. Uh, but it, like I said, it, it, it houses everything that you need for um, current communications. Okay, well, check that out, folks, on the architectural uh, paper. It's archpaper.com, future smart power totem solar storage communications. Can we jump over to our commercials now, Jay? Yes, you okay, can go. Thank you. Aloha, and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tsubuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tsubuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tsubuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. 
Okay, we're back, and that's our, our wonderful group of sponsors, Jay. Thank you, sponsors. They keep us rolling. They sure do. Yeah, guys, it really means a lot to us. So uh, we're here, uh, really fortunate to have an amazing guest in the studio today, Mrs. Kelly King of Pacific Biodiesel. I believe you're the uh, vice president. Is that correct? That's what they call me right now. Right, well, welcome to the Solar Coaster. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Aloha, everybody. Yeah, and uh, you're also a councilwoman as well, right? Yes, this is my first term. I'm in my second year of my first term on the Maui County Council. That's great. I was telling Kelly when she walked in the studio earlier that my mom, I told my mom that Kelly was going to be on. She was so excited. She's like, I love Kelly. She's great. She was at one of your events. So, uh, yeah, you have got a lot of fans out there, Kelly. Um, so, you know, uh, we'd like to just jump right, right into uh, getting a sense for your background, and, and how you became involved with biodiesel and uh, trying, to, trying to go from there. Well, my background is actually, you know, educationally is in journalism. So I have a kind of a communications um, aspect to me that right. it's part of my whole background. In education, journalism, and English. So nice. um, uh, I actually got involved in the community as a young mother when my daughter was one and I started volunteering and doing things like spearheading playgrounds in the community. I, uh, from that, I got involved in in PTA mm. issues, and then I ran for the Board of Education. So I served on the State Board of Education back in the 90s when oh. it was still an elected position. And that's how I, I got a lot of my experience in public office and uh, background in Robert's Rules of Order, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like, becomes your Bible. Um, but I did spend about 15 years of my children's lives just volunteering throughout the community, creating projects in Kihei and Kula, mostly uh, around the children's needs, things mm -hmm. like playgrounds and, and um, uh, kindergarten groups and things like that. Uh, I ran, I was a Girl Scout leader for four years and did those kinds of things. I totally get it. Jay and I have been on the same PTO together. We've actually done this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, very yeah. parallel lives. Okay. Right, that's a part we all, of We all do these things. That's kind of, <laughs> I can see how that would be an introduction, in a sense, to public service right. because it's kind of a natural offset of having your children in that environment. You're like, I want to participate in this. I want to help steer this in the right direction. Yeah. So yep. that makes perfect sense. That's and amazing. people don't understand, you know, what, what a great background it is. I know when we've, I've gone to workshops where, um, PTA workshops, where they try to get people interested in public service or even starting um, some big project for the school and they're too afraid to. And then they start asking people, well, have you ever had a garage sale? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, when you have a garage sale, you've got to do advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. You've got to get your inventory sorted out. You've got to do pricing. <laughs> you know, you've got to organize and... and, and uh, You're bringing you back know. a lot of memories right I now. I mean, it's, it's just and people <laughs> don't realize how much how much that background really will it. help them move, segue into, you know, larger projects in the community. So I had a probably a 15 to 20 year um, period while I was raising my kids of just uh, volunteering and creating um, new projects in the community. And so I was um, in the middle of my term on the Board of Education when my husband came up with the bright idea of taking used cooking oil and making it into fuel. And I remember him telling me when he was, when he was telling me about it um, with the... Um, end goal of getting me to agree to put all of our life savings into this thing called biodiesel. Yeah. And what year was this? This was back in 1995. Okay. So we are actually the oldest biodiesel company in America. Uh, we, start, we had the first commercial biodiesel pump in America right. here on Maui and put kind of put Maui on the map so everybody knows everybody in the industry knows specific biodiesel. First biodiesel, commercial biodiesel pump in America. America. 
You know, it's interesting because, of course, you know, when I was uh, kind of trying to prepare for the show and get a sense for some of the things that we need to, you know, be aware of, uh, I thought, oh, Willie Nelson, because he pokes around Sparklesville, right? And I thought, oh, and it said in one of the articles, he uh, he heard about when he created his company, he had come across biodiesel in Maui. Right. This was a national article, and I thought, I wonder yeah. if that was in relationship with you. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually, um, we have to give full credit to Annie, his wife, because she was the one that uh, read about us in a local paper and um, just <laughs> bought a, a Jetta diesel wagon right. and came in and started fueling up at our pump station, no you know, way. just happy as a clam. And, you know, of course, he always tells the story that I thought maybe she had dipped into my stash because <laughs> <laughs> he thinks this is going to run on vegetable oil. And he watched, you know, she had no problems. And after about six months, he went and got himself a diesel Mercedes. There and you go. Then, so they've run 100% biodiesel every time they And, drive. of course, and our listeners may not be aware, but Willie had created an enormous initiative across the country and created new companies. And he had was really getting engaged with the farming community to create new opportunities for farmers across right. America's heartland, right? So that well, was he got involved with Pacific Biodiesel and actually um, uh, dragged us kicking and screaming over to Texas to build a biodiesel plant with no him kidding. over there. Whoa. And and the, the impetus of that was to help the farmers there where he grew up right. because the cotton industry was really suffering. Cotton seed oil was going for like 13 cents a pound. And we went down there and we started negotiating with some of the local cotton gin, um, you know, the the not not necessarily the growers, but the people that were processing it yeah. that were close to going out of business. And I know this one guy, his like his newest piece of equipment was 50 years old. He was a third or fourth generation cotton processor, and he just couldn't make it. So we said, well, you know, we can pay you more when we get the biodiesel plant going if you can just hold on. And that. That plant, that was older technology, but I think that plant from the time we broke ground was like three or four months before we had it up. But the great thing was the negotiation went sort of like my husband saying to them, you know, we can pay you 22 cents a pound. And they said, uh, well, 18 cents is fine. And he goes, well, we'll pay you 21 cents a pound, not a penny less. <laughs> you know, because we were, that was part of the impetus was to help the farmers. So we um, we got them we got them going. And then unfortunately what happened was um, after we started into the um, cottonseed oil, we were the only ones that were able to make cottonseed oil into biodiesel back mm-hmm. in those days. Um, but uh, non-trans fat oil took off for many products, especially food products, oh, and cottonseed oil happens to be in that category. Mm. So it went from um, 21 cents a pound up to 35 cents a pound. And then we tried oh. to negotiate with the farmers and say, well, can you meet us halfway? Because you know, we can't do this right. 35 cents a pound and still come out uh, whole. And they just went, no, we're, we're, we're good. <laughs> See oh, ya. No. And so, the, so, you know, that was sort of the end of the biodiesel plant down there. Really didn't, um, it didn't survive because we were on the wrong side of that. Right, and that's that why shift. That was the trans, uh, trans fat thing that the happened non-trans in fat, food, Yeah, right? the non-trans fat oils became the darling of the food industry, right. and so the price went up. Um, so we learned from that that you have to, um, if you're going to be in this industry, you have to also have some control over a portion of your feedstock. You can't just be negotiating with someone who owns all of the right. oil that you're going to make your fuel out of. Otherwise, it's something goes upside down, you're out of business. Right. There has to be a clear directive on the yeah. supply side that you're going to provide that. Right. Yeah. So that's why you know we're in the business of picking up cooking oil over here, and we're also venturing into agriculture because right. we need that control, and we also... Also, because it's really hard to get farmers to grow something new and to do experimental and you know demonstrative projects. They well, want to know what's going to make money. Sure. So we, we had never intended to get into agriculture ourselves to become farmers. Mm. We always thought we would do some research and set it up and then somebody would jump in and do it. 
and that didn't happen, so we became the farmers. And one of the most visible examples, of course, is the, are the sunflowers, right? right. I mean, that was uh, almost like a uh, happening for Maui. People kind of went nuts over that. Right. right? Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It was. It was causing issues. It was not anticipated. I mean, I knew, I was excited that we were going to be next to the highway because I knew people were going to get excited about it, but I had sure. no idea we were going to. I think the last seven or eight days, we estimated four to 5,000 people a day what were walking a, through the amazing. fields. Wow. Who would think, right? It's amazing how, how that inspired people, right? Yeah. And that's something about it as well, right? Because it's about um, can people get behind this particular fuel, this particular renewable energy? I don't think a I, lot of people were actually in, in understanding what it was. I mean, a lot of people thought there was just sunflower seed or somebody just begins, planted a right? bunch. That's or how it goes. Education. Right. That's yeah. how it begins. Well, what is this? Why are we yeah. doing this? And then from yeah. there, you can enter into the conversation about how, you know, um, like you just said, right? And then Jay and I, I think we mentioned to you a second ago that we, we went out there. We, we thought we were going to get uh, the heliotropism or the tracking of the sunflowers. Mm -hmm. So we went out there with the truck and we put a bunch of GoPros, did some time lapse, and we sat there for like six or seven hours. Yeah, you called me at three o'clock in the morning and said, Jay, let's go down. The, I'm like, really? You want to do that? Okay, like, and we're like, oh, I think it's moving. Oh, I think it's moving. <laughs> so heliotropism, that's a word that we've become familiar with, but it's not right. a normal word. Well, only it because it bit sun, us. Right? It means that the, the flowers following we'll the, sun. the sun. across the, the And sun. we were thinking of it from the perspective of solar. We're like, because well, we, they're tracking solar systems that basically use that as a model right. to create better efficiencies, right? So we're like, oh, let's go get some footage, and we'll figure out a way to use it in the solar world. Of course, they're non-heliotroping. Uh, well, well they stage. are. Yeah, they are up to a certain phase. But <laughs> at, some, at some level of maturity, they stop. And then they just gotcha. face the one way. Gotcha. So you have to get there early, um, even in the in the phase before they bloom. They are okay. heliotropic, so you'll see the leaves facing yeah, one way, and then and it's it's obvious, uh, pretty do the, obvious. Do the, with, do the blooms ever heliotrope or no? Yeah, they do. But er, early in their yeah. early in their um, in their cycle. But uh, yeah, the, the leaves are so big that they're easy to see when they're facing one way. Okay. Or well, we got a new goal. We're gonna figure out the phase, yeah. and then we're gonna go out and get Just that. Let, let us know the next time <laughs> yeah. so we can we can target okay. that. Okay. Well, probably. we have yeah we have another field blooming now, so you might um, call down there and check. Oh, um, I think it just started this week, and we have a, a, a former employee who um, is getting married uh, Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so she's down in the field today picking no um, some sunflowers for her wedding reception. Wow. So that's kind of fun. Isn't that cutting into profits? <laughs> <laughs> it might be, but it, uh, honestly, it's not profitable yet. No. So, you know, <laughs> so we're, that, still that in, would... we're still in demonstration phase. And, sure. you know, we we um, do a lot for our employees and, uh, and the other businesses that we work with. So, we, yeah. you know, we, we're, we work very collaboratively. Yeah. Well, let's let's um, uh, let's get a sense for um, so that's how Pacific Biodiesel kind of has evolved, and then where are things at now? I mean, from the point that you were creating, bio, I had no idea you were creating biodiesel plants in Texas with Willie Nelson. That's pretty neat, right? <laughs> and then so where has it gone from there to here? How do you find yourself in this particular you know time? Well, being extremely flexible and you know just um, seizing on the opportunities that make sense because this industry is so unpredictable. You know, one year we'll have our, our credit and incentive, and the next year we won't. And in fact, this year, the mayor is proposing uh, an extremely egregious uh, tax on biodiesel that would, that would tax us at the same rate as petroleum, uh, diesel, and gasoline. And I don't know why, where that's coming from, because all the four mayors just made a commitment to renewable transportation uh, right. last year, and they all got together and did a big PR event. So we're hoping that the council doesn't, um, doesn't back that tax, because it would really hurt the on-road mm -hmm. diesel um, industry. And we probably have to pull our pump station out, and then we would wow. just be selling to the utility because that—that's not taxed. Oh, that's not good. Um, no, it's not, and we don't want to do that. But it's it, where we get at some point. You, you just get tired of being attacked by your own county, you know. Sure, and so that's yeah. what's going on in that 
pigs. But on the on the side of the agriculture, we um, in order to um, to maintain over the years, it's been a difficult. We've been in business for 22 years, longer Bravo. than any other. I mean, that's such an amazing yeah. thing. I mean, so early on, and yeah. then I t when the stories I'm hearing sound a lot like other stories in renewable energy industry, right? It's like you're you're kind of bucking the trend, and you're gonna you're gonna have it's gonna be challenging, and you're yeah. gonna have to do it for you have to you, the commitment is kind of like this. You, it's almost irrational, right? To right. Be able to well, forward. most of the companies that started up, you know, shortly after ours are out of business now, and the reason why we're still in business is because we've done a lot of bootstrapping and we've risked everything we've had our yeah. house our cars our kids education we've had times when we thought you know this is going to be it we're going to be out of business next week and we're just right. going to have to start all over again right. you know my husband's a great diesel mechanic so you know <laughs> at least we had that <laughs> but you know we weathered the storm and and a lot of it is being flexible and and we went in the beginning we thought because we got contacted early on after we built the Maui plant by a gentleman from Japan who was on the IOC, mm -hmm. the um, International Olympic Committee, and he was responsible for bringing the Olympic, um, the Winter Olympics in 1998 to Nagano. Mm. He wanted to run his vehicles on biodiesel after he read an article about biodiesel here. Mm. So we went to Nagano and built a biodiesel plant. That mm -hmm. was the second one. You built a, a biodiesel plant in Nagano. Nagano. Uh, I live in Nagano for two years. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow. So I'm wondering where that biodiesel plant is. <laughs> well, it was, <laughs> it was you know, around the, the city. Yeah. yeah, the problem with that, that plant was we we built it in the middle of an apple orchard, mm -hmm. and um, a few years later, it was in the middle of apartment buildings. You know, there was a lot of development yeah. that came up, and yeah. then and the people complained because they didn't want any industry there. And in Japan, when people complain, you don't fight them. You just go, oh, I'm sorry, and you close it down, you go away. So, <laughs> so you know, that's what Soichiro so, so Yoshida was the uh, businessman that we built it for, and that's what he said. He said, well, I can't have this plant here. My, the people around don't want it. So right. um, he was looking for another place to move it to, but by the time he would have found some place, that was old technology, and we were kind of on to the right. next uh, uh, level of technology. But we built um, 13 biodiesel plants. Um, you know, we we for uh, mostly most of them for other people across the country, from Maryland, Pennsylvania. How big to are these? When you see a plant, I'm, I'm trying, having a hard time understanding the scale. Well, if you ever saw the one that was in the landfill, <coughs> it's a pretty small. The original one was a pretty small footprint, like less than half an acre, mm -hmm. and uh, it could process um, anywhere from 500,000 to a million gallons a year. Okay. Um, the the where we're at with our, our refinery now is we're on an acre and a half on the Big Island. And it's mm -hmm. in the refinery. It's a it's an actual refinery. It will process uh, about 5.5 million gallons a year. Right. Yeah, and we think we can get more out of it as we build in efficiencies. But we've cut, we kind of went to the point where we thought, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what our company is about: is building biodiesel plants for different people. Mm. And then that dried up when the incentives dried up, and then it was back to, okay, let's run the ones in Hawaii, because we had one on Oahu at the time, mm -hmm. and let's work on the next iteration, which is the refinery on the Big Island, which you know now does all of our, we, get, we, we process all the fuel there. And then, you know, the, as the incentives come and go, and they've, this, this industry has been the worst, because every two years, they, um, the, the federal government um, you know, just ends our subsidy, and then two years later they'll bring it back, and it'll be retroactive a year. And meanwhile, a third of our industry has gone bankrupt, and then we have to wait to see if it comes back again after the two years. So we've been doing this for the last decade, watching this incentive come and go. And the only reason we're still in business is because when we started, we started with a small group of people who just basically dug in our pockets 
and we didn't have this you know hundred to four hundred million dollar debt that a lot of the companies were were getting so they sought out sort out, out funding right yeah. equity funding and then and there was a time when when anybody and everybody was investing in anything that had the word bio in front of it mm -hmm. and so you know you put all this money into it and then the incentives dry up and then you can't you can't weather that storm mm -hmm. so we've done it because we really we don't believe in debt so we haven't had a lot of debt over mm -hmm. the years I mean we have some but um, now we're at a point where the only way we're going to get through this next storm is to create high-level, uh, high-value products out of the agriculture, along with the, you know, that will allow us to continue to make oh. biodiesel. So, if you think about the sunflower oil that we're growing and we're crushing the oil on the Big Island, if we if we make it into cosmetic oils or massage oils, we're um, we're probably looking at anywhere between thirty and three hundred dollars a gallon that we can get out of that you know mm. minus the marketing and packaging versus three dollars a gallon to make it into biodiesel uh -huh. so that's what we're doing is that you know you're not going to have as big a market with these high value products but you know we've got our our um massage oil into Andaz and Grand Wailea and the Four Seasons are all using it in their spas mm -hmm. and we've got into some local spas and then we're also making a line of cosmetic oils because these are really beneficial to the skin gotcha. so that will help us um, keep being able to do the biodiesel side and then we there's a there's a pretty good percentage of the agricultural oil that um, is a is a kind of a side product doesn't make it to the high value and so that's going into the biodiesel right now and gotcha. we're also crushing uh, waste macadamia nuts on the big mm -hmm. island and waste coffee beans and so a lot of this waste oil is going into biodiesel gotcha so okay so let's get a sense um, what I'm really interested to understand is how does biodiesel play a role in the um, in the the approach to new you know 100% renewable energy that's kind of the big conversation mm -hmm. in my mind at least I know that the people like Willie that have the Mercedes Benz uh, the, the, and the Jetta and the, the I don't even know the, the, the was the other one that that big it was a really most cool. diesels can be converted right I mean, that's, any that's diesel can run biodiesel without okay. any conversion oh wow yeah, the, okay. the conversion that most people think about were, was in the early days of biodiesel there were there was a um, a pretty good population of people that just ran the used cooking oil without converting it into biodiesel okay. you know biodiesel oh. is a chemical reaction process but what they would do is they would take their cars and turn them into hybrids by putting in an extra tank. Mm -hmm. So you have a tank of, uh, for diesel fuel and you have a tank for, a bi for vegetable oil. And as soon as your engine got hot enough to melt the vegetable oil, you switch over to the vegetable oil. And that would, you know, after about a year, you'd wreck your car because you've got all that glycerin and the gunky stuff that's in vegetable oil. But when you make it into biodiesel, you're taking that glycerin <laughs> out. And now we're refining it, so we're, we're actually purifying it even after we make it into biodiesel, mm. we're distilling it. So it's the, it's the top quality, it's the best biodiesel in the country. Gotcha. And it went from that amber color that you're used to seeing to actually being clear like water, because oh, wow. it's so pure. And so we have, we've had zero problems with um, running biodiesel on anything, mm. boats, mm backup generators uh, any kind of diesel so, vehicle so where do you see its primary like uh, its primary role within the the, the, the approach to renewable energy to 100% renewable energy for the state you know governing right. uh, mandate well i think we're um in, and i talked to the um, the state energy office about this years ago they said you know we're probably cuz ethanol they always saw as a transition <coughs> fuel because we, they, they thought passenger cars were going to transition into electric hmm. but that diesel would always be there for um, at least for the foreseeable next 50 years for industry Mm -hmm. you know, industrial trucks, 
Uh, marine, you know, marine, it's going to be there because it's the most efficient engine for marines, and you're not, you're not going to really sit out on a boat and wait for the sun to come out mm -hmm. before you can get home. Um, so, that so that's uh, the other the other area is backup generation, so that we can back up solar right. and wind. Because we've had, <coughs> we've had uh, Dati on the show a couple of times from, com from right. yeah, and so right. he has uh, been um, uh, he was explaining about the biodiesel and the, and, and how that was integrated to uh, Garrett's Garrett Marrero's uh, systems over at um, yeah uh, Maui, at Brewing, the Maui Co Brewing Company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they're they're going to be backed up by 100% um, biodiesel, and then they can um, unhook from the grid because if something if they don't. If their solar isn't working, you know, because the sun hasn't come out, then they'll just switch over to biodiesel, and they're, they're on 100% renewable. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if did Dahi tell you that um, that company used to be ours. We actually started. King well, I saw the name, so I kind of yeah. assumed there was some relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was uh, our first business was King Diesel, because my husband's a diesel mechanic. Ah, okay. And so we, when we got into Pacific Biodiesel, and um, we had to choose between the two companies because right. it, was just, it wasn't enough time. It wasn't enough time in the day to do sure. both. But we sold it, and then eventually Mark Harmer bought it, and mm. he turned it into what the company it is today. So mm. it's doing very well under yeah, his. Great. Yeah, great. really happy with that. <clears throat> happy to have our name on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think about like um? We uh, in my mind when I think about biodiesel and its kind of role in, in renewable energies in simple form, I think well, we just have HCNS, this huge agricultural footprint that has been on Maui for 138 years or something in that territory, right? And it's gone, and all this new land is up there. Are we looking at utilizing that land for agriculture, for biodiesel? Is that, is that, on the, is that in the game plan, or what's the, what's the big picture? The big well, that's our game plan. You know, we haven't gotten a lot of response from um, A and B on it yet, um, but the idea of um, using, using that land for food and fuel, the amount of um, agricultural land we need for food is actually fairly small mm. when you look at that entire 36,000 acres. So the only way you're going to keep that in egg is by doing something like biofuels. And it would take, if we were able to grow uh, maybe about 15,000 acres of, of sunflower and other various plants that we have in our repertoire for oil, for biodiesel, we could actually build a refinery here as mm. well. And we could um, fuel, if we could produce between 5 and 10 million gallons here, that would be all of our on-road diesel that's used here and probably mm -hmm. a lot of the marine that's used here as well as um, farm equipment. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be, um, and that would provide the high-level jobs. We have, we have engineers and chemists and technology processors that we hire off the Big Island along with our other, you know, our accounting division, HR. I mean, our, we have right. over almost 100 employees statewide now. 100, whoa. Yeah, so we're on... We have operations on Oahu, um, Maui, and uh, Big Island. So mm. the, the the operations on Oahu are mainly trucking. They pick up the grease trap and use cooking oil, and they process it there before it gets over. It, it goes over to the Big Island. Okay. You take all the uh, water out of it and the gloves and chicken legs and things like <laughs> chicken bones. So that kind of that kind of uh, you know uh, answers one of my questions, which was uh, why do we have the plant on Big Island? And maybe it takes this new agricultural kind of agreement, I suppose, to be able to warrant building a system here right. in Maui. Is that yeah, right? we have to build it up. We have to make sure we can do. You know, we're kind of stepping it up because our first phases of it were we're growing different things on maybe a quarter to a half acre. And now we're up to we've got 100 acres here. So um, the next step would be to, to do a thousand acres. And if that if we can figure out that model um, economically, then we can just you know we can lease 15,000 acres and we can go and we can start looking at the development of a of a refinery here right. to bring that level of jobs here as well and keep our keep our um, kids here you know who mm -hmm. are looking for those types of jobs.
Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I mean, well, it's 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 really exciting. But I mean, what are the the hurdles to being able to get access to that land? Is it just a conversation with AMB? Is it uh, is there buy-in? I would think the community would be really excited about making sure that Maui's valley stays green. Yeah, and right? we've gotten tremendous support, especially since that first sunflower field, where people actually understand yeah. what we're trying to do now, and the fact that we grew that with zero water, <laughs> zero pesticides or herbicides. Um, you know, it, yeah, it was all. Um, it's almost a tour attraction really it was, yeah. you know, like, it, was. Yeah. it was totally it's and it will attraction. be again i mean we we are we are like setting up a system of monthly tours for oh, people great. because i get asked by so many local groups as well as tourists you know can we go through there and it's, it's interesting because the people i know who are my personal friends or acquaint or or um, business associates they're the ones that are like well you know i don't really want to trample on your you know they understand the no trespassing yeah. thing but um we're really not we're really okay with people going through it, as long as they don't steal flowers and sure. as long as they don't trample and they're safe with the traffic. You know, we're not, sure. I mean, the level of happiness that you that oh, comes out for that field is just well, so worth it. There's a couple other things I want to ask you, I mean, just kind of quick ones, but I know there's a discussion. Have you heard about what's happening with Molokai and the, was it a Singapore? Hibiscus. Hibiscus, right? Yeah. Can, can you give us a sense? And there's 55,000 acres for sale up there in the Molokai Ranch, and there are companies coming out with biodiesel-related ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that's a plant called canaf, and it's actually in the hibiscus family, so it's okay. not actually the hibiscus flower. Okay. Um, okay. It's a, it's probably looks more like hemp than hibiscus. But um, the thing that, that is a little bit worrisome, because we've seen you know 20 years of companies trying to do this, is anytime you try to grow a crop just for fuel, that's a bad economic model. You really need to grow it for a high-value <clears throat> product and then use the waste you know, either the okay. biomass to I burn for, for energy or use the waste oil that comes off of that to make into biodiesel. And, so you um, need multiple revenue streams. You need multiple need, revenue streams yeah. or it just won't work. And gotcha. you know, we've been looking at this and studying it, and I've worked with university groups that, that helped me with the, the, you know, looking at the different aspects of it. Um, and it's, uh, it isn't a good model to, um, you know, to rely on a crop just so for is, biofuel. Is, is that the pellets that I've heard of people talking about? I, I wasn't sure what that is. But yeah, I'm not you, sure what they're squeeze, playing. Once yeah. you squeeze the oil out of it, you're left with a remainder that's still burnable? Is well, it, oh, for us, you know, the high value, once we pressure for oil, the high value of that leftover meal, we mm -hmm. call it a seed cake, is uh, in the livestock industry. Oh, wow, Because okay. it's a very high protein right. um, meal that's left over once you take the oil out of it. So when you, so let's uh, try to kind of double back to that idea of, I mean, here in Maui, and a lot of the discussion point that we have on the show is, is, is our community here in Hawaii, and Maui in particular, is shooting for 100% renewable energy. And we hear a lot about solar and a lot about wind and, even, you know, and then of course energy storage is mm -hmm. kind of like the big conversation, electric vehicles. Where does, where does biodiesel fit into that? Well, as a backup um, for utility, because the 100% um, in, that's in state statute, the 100% goal is just for utility. Mm -hmm. It hasn't reached the transportation side of things. Um, for the transportation side, anything that's diesel, mm -hmm. which, and diesel engines last a lot longer than gas engines, mm -hmm. as you know. Um, but the, um, the, for the utility, it's, it's really a backup fuel to when you, when you have as much solar and wind and hydro and geothermal as you can use, or as you can get reasonably and economically off the island, then whatever the last 10% or whatever, um, running having those generators as a backup is your insurance card. So that's our firm power that's right. on reserve, that's that's grown here and 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 uh, what's the refined processed, here yeah. processed. Yeah. And then so that would really get us to that last 
hundred percent, right. right? The last right. few percentage points. But like it. I like I keep telling Hiko and Miko, we're not going to have that when you need it. But the last ten percent, unless you support it now, it's ah. got to be supported along the way. Otherwise, the refinery can't. If we can't support the refinery now, we shut mm. it down. And then when you need it, it's not going to be there mm. because the agriculture won't be here. The whole the whole model that works together is a is a complicated model, but. If it's supported now, it'll be there when we really need it in dire straits. Right now, we have petroleum. Yeah, you know, as we march along to eliminate so, that. So we, I think we, we, we were. Did we get a number on the the import of petroleum in Hawaii? I think we got one, didn't we? Last last year, do you yeah, the I don't remember what it was. But um, it's in the millions of yeah. barrels, of course. Okay, yeah, I don't know if you know what that number is. I don't know off the top of my well, head. Well, I, I deal with I deal with gallons because I'm looking at individually, like each island and how much mm. on road. Like on Maui, there's a um, about four million gallons of diesel fuel used on road. Okay, that's just transportation. Yeah, and that doesn't cost. And I think the Miko used to be seventy million that they used. Seventy million. I think they're down to fifty million now that they have wind. So so. fifty-four, fifty-five million, fifty-four million total. Plus there's marine, so there's marine diesel, and and there's a lot of off-road diesel as well. So can can we actually scale that? That was one of my questions originally. Can we? Is there enough land here? To make that many gallons of oil. Well, diesel. Not, well, the, well, that's that's kind of what I've been trying to get Miko to tell us is how many will you need? How many gallons will you need once you have all the solar, you know, installed? Once you have all the wind that we can get? Once you have, you know, if you do geothermal, I mean, are we talking like we just need to back it up with 10 million gallons? Yes, we have enough. We can do that here, mm-hmm. right. and we can do all the on road as well. But if you're talking about 50 million, no, we don't have enough land to do that. So that's what they have to get to is like tell us now and we can start working toward that but for but support us now use it now yeah right you know i feel like we're kind of bringing these big rocks of the conversation together and maybe we'll be able to help facilitate that discussion yeah you know sharon suzuki and uh, uh greg gregory kresge were on well, they were on the show last week was it mm-hmm. last week yep last week. and we had a great uh, conversation about you know approaching 100 percent renewables so and she mark- did bring up biodiesel yeah, yeah. prominent yeah. in her mind yeah maybe we can have a conversation with both you on in, in future yeah episodes, i think you know? and we you know we're all working together we all i think the understanding has to be that there's a big puzzle we, we're trying to put together here and all the pieces are yeah, important. It feels like a puzzle. We need somebody at our county level and our state level that can put together a portfolio who's not attached to any business. You mm. know, it has to be like research based, data based. Mm. And right now we keep appointing people that come out of industry. Mm. And so, you know, even Fred Riddell of our, our county yeah. energy commissioner, yeah. he worked for a solar company um, yep. that was doing uh, photovoltaic uh, farms. And Fred's been on the but, show. And he's great, but we need, we need somebody who's like totally detached from industry. So it's a completely objective, objective. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, the mark of a good show, as I said this before, is that we can't get through all the content points that we co- we want to cover. <laughs> we uh, really appreciate you coming on the uh, the solar coaster, and sh- and I personally learned a lot. Uh, Jay, you know, really got my head around so how this kind of fits into the puzzle. Um, hopefully we'll see you again sometime soon, and, you know, please come back and join us anytime. Okay, yeah. great. Is anything, anything yeah. else you want to add to folks? Well, obviously, you said it's okay to wander those lands. I would well, I, keep I, the park safely. I, I, you know, I mean, you're still <laughs> trespassing. You still have to understand that you're trespassing, but I'm I'm just saying, you know, we're we're not we're not going to call the police on you, but um, we do we do hope people respect the the land and the you know in our property. Yeah. All right. Well, Understood. thank you for all the uh, for thank you so much for doing a great thing for Maui and for and for geez creating, creating a, a fuel fuel source. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every, hey, folks. This has been the Solar Coaster uh, right here in lovely Maui County at KOI 1110 AM. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sun Drum Solar. Hey, have a great weekend, folks. Aloha Friday. Aloha.